Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its Missions Fellowship in Boise, the Bread of Life. It's our purpose to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, personal discipleship, and the planting of new churches around the world. God is blessing and multiplying this work, and if you'd like to learn more, please go to traincpe.org or thebreadoflifeboise.org. And now today, we take our Bibles in hand and we turn to Romans chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. There Paul has declared that he has received the grace of apostleship, that is, that he has been sent out under God's commission to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known, and then he states the outcome pursued in the declaration of that gospel. It is that persons may come to the obedience of the faith. And now we must pause to understand in what way faith and obedience go together. I'm going to forego a introduction for you this morning, and we're just going to go to the very first point, and we're going to look through this text, verses 5 and 6, and we're going to see here first that Paul says that he has received the grace of apostleship. Most commentators think that the we there is kind of like a royal we. It's a authorial we, and that Paul is actually referring primarily or singularly to himself. There is, to me, a sense, an allowance in which when he says we, although Paul has established himself as an apostle, he is casting something of the shadow or something of the inference of that type of life upon all of those who have come under the apostolic ministry and have responded to the gospel. And so Christians that are rising up throughout the Roman Empire have, to some extent and ourselves, received grace and some measure of apostleship, not in the same way, not the apostleship which we recognize to be historically or we understand to be those individuals who are eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and who have received first person his instruction, but we push on and we will move on from their A, capital A, apostleship in a manner of being sent ourselves. That's what an apostle means. It's someone who's sent. Well, remember that Paul said that in his introduction that he is a slave of Jesus Christ. And we ourselves are bound to Jesus Christ when we believe and trust in him and are won by his grace. Then Paul says that he is a sent one of Jesus Christ. That's what an apostle is, sent one. And we ourselves, in a sense, have been sent out as well to be a people and ambassadors of his reconciling power. Paul then goes and says that he has been set apart for the gospel of God. And that's a very interesting phrase. That word set apart is actually the root to that word, is the very root that you get the word Pharisee. And that's what Paul was before he became an apostle who had been set apart for the gospel. And as a Pharisee, Paul was very meticulous in following the laws of Judaism. And as a part of those laws, he wanted to maintain being set apart from the world and anything that would taint him and make him unholy or unclean. And in particular, he understood, as the Pharisees understood, that because the Gentiles didn't follow the proper rules for what they should eat and the unclean things and the clean things that they should come in contact with, you could never trust whether if you came in contact with a Gentile that they might defile you in some way. And so they maintained a boundary around them and all the Gentiles in order to pursue their set-apart nature to follow all the laws that God had given them. Now Jesus meets Saul, you might remember, on the road to Damascus to persecute the church and to arrest the church and put them in prison. And at that time, the Lord Jesus 
bring Saul to a conversion or surrender to himself. And the Lord Jesus also at that time commissions Saul to be a sent one of the gospel, separated out to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to go to the Gentiles. And so here is Paul who had been disciplined himself to separate himself as a Pharisee from all the Gentiles. And now, now Saul says his life is to be given to take the gospel to the Gentiles and go out among them to be, he'll say later on, all things to all people. That's what Paul has done with his ministry. He's traveled throughout eastern and central parts of Roman Empire to make the gospel known in these lands. This labor has been carried out by him. This ministry has been conducted by him. Paul now tells us, and this is where we get to the grace of apostleship, Paul now tells us that all this labor, all this work, all this energy that he has put out to take the gospel to the Gentile nations was not done in his own power. It wasn't a matter of his own undertaking. He didn't do it in his own strength. It was not possible. He carried all these things out. He conducted all these things by the power of God. God had given him an enabling for it. That's what the word grace means here. Grace refers to an enablement or an empowerment that God gives to an individual freely that that individual cannot do. That thing that God has called him to do, that man cannot do without God's enabling. One commentator has said in effect that what Paul is saying is that he has received the grace for apostling, that is, for being an apostle. Paul has been enabled to do the work that is put before him as an apostle because God has enabled him. God has empowered him by grace, by this gift. Here's an application for us. Anything God calls you to do, any command that God gives you to do, he also gives to you along with that command an enabling a grace which you're to receive that will assist you or empower you to carry out that obedience and that work that he brings you to. The life of faith is in part a life of receiving the enabling grace of God to answer God's calls and God's directives upon your life. And Paul's life is a life that demonstrates God's grace. Now, as we've said, I believe all of us are small a apostles in a sense. We're all called upon by God to live our lives in the advance or seeking the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ourselves are slaves of Christ and we ourselves are then sent ones of Christ and we ourselves are to consider ourselves set apart as a peculiar people to bring to the world and bring forward the gospel as far as God would send us. And to do this we have to bow before that command and that call and that identity we have to accept it, and then we have to live it out, and we can't live it out unless we receive God's enablement, God's grace. A Christian is an individual who is constantly living and seeking by faith the grace of God to fulfill his call upon our lives, to bring the gospel to all those that we come in contact with. Now, let's look at this as our second point. What is the aim of our gospel? What is the purpose or end? And this is where we're going to put the focus of and the primary attention of what we're going to talk about this morning. Here, Paul says it's for obedience to the faith. That's what you read in the New King James or the King James in the NASB. It says to bring about the obedience of the faith. The outcome of proclaiming our gospel is always to bring people to a point of submission to that gospel. We think of this as saving faith and this is more than just a mental acceptance of truth of the information of the gospel. It is a trust or surrender to that truth. And here's what we can say about saving faith. 
Saving faith is a surrender or a trust in a proposition and in a person. It is a propositional faith and it is a personal faith. The, the propositions of the gospel are things like we're sinners. We are separated from God. Because of our sin, we are under the sentence of death, spiritual and everlasting death. But Paul has written to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 5, that Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, has died for our sins in our place, that he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again from the grave, and he was seen by many witnesses. And these are propositional facts. These are propositions that we are to believe unto salvation. But added to this propositional belief, we also take hold personally of Jesus Christ. We don't just trust in doctrines. We put our trust in a person. And yet in trusting in that person, we don't trust in him but for a reason, but for a cause. We trust in him because of what the proposition declares he has done for us and the promise that he's made to us and the work that he's accomplished for us. We trust him because of the witness that was given of his sinless life and of his death on the cross and of his conquering resurrection and of the proclamation that he has provided all that's needed for us to be forgiven of our sins, for our death to be vanquished and for us to live again spiritually and be brought into reconciliation with God. And so our faith is propositional. It's, it's a faith in these truths that are declared, but it's also personal. It's a faith in the one who is the truth. And they go together. And so saving faith is both made up of faith in Jesus Christ and in what we learn he's done for us. That's actually not in question here. So when we read this faith, that's what we're talking about. What's in question is, what does it mean by obedience to the faith or obedience of the faith? That's the part that we need to answer here. And, but we need to set that as the ground, that this faith is something that is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. But what does it mean when we're told that we are to proclaim the gospel up to or for the point or of leading people into the obedience of the faith. Are we being told that the act of faith itself is an act of obedience? It's the obedience that is faith? Or are we being taught that the act of faith in Jesus Christ and faith in these propositions and faith in this person will then lead us into obedience. In other words, does obedience belong to faith or flow from faith or is faith itself an act of obedience? That's the question. Is Paul's aim to bring people to saving faith or is he wanting to bring them into a life of obedience that's produced by saving faith? Get that? A little bit of a difference. Here's the answer to the question. Yes, yes, yes. Both. All of the above. The language that Paul deploys here seems to let both ideas come through to us. There is, in essence, an obedience that is simply expressed in believing, and there is an obedience also that falls out from believing, and we're going to look at them both. They're both the aim of our gospel message. We want people to obey the gospel by believing in Jesus Christ and at the same time, having believed in him, obediently believed in him, we want them to so believe in him that they will follow and obey all of his commands. But first, let's look at this obedience of faith as obedience as faith. Obedience as faith. The propositional and personal faith that we have in the gospel is a compelled faith. It is a compelling faith. The truths that 
you're a sinner, that you can't save yourself, that there is a God who's made you and created you who your sins are against, a God who requires of you a righteousness in order that you can be with him, and a God who will judge you for your sins and your lack of righteousness. According to the Bible, all these propositions that I've just shared with you are something that all human beings are being made aware of. The Lord Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit is working in the world, convicting the world of three things, sin and righteousness and judgment. It's like a cipher. I've mentioned this before. This is a passage that we keep coming back to because it's like a cipher that helps us decode what's happening in the world all around us. It's not something we understand simply by understanding the passage that's taken from John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. It's not because we've just simply broke down the Greek and we've looked at the grammatical historical analysis of the text and we understand the different syntax of the words and so we can say this is what the words mean, but it's also something that if it's true, we can explore and see and the lives of people all over the world. And what you see in the lives of people all over the world is they know they're sinners. That they long to be and they're searching for a righteousness that will bring them into some state of transcendence because there's an unease in their life and also that they know they're not righteous. And so they also have this great sense of judgment. Their religions are all wrapped around somehow mitigating their sin, increasing some level of righteousness in order to avoid judgment. Every religion, every false religion is built around somehow dealing with these three things. What does it tell us? It tells us that the Spirit of God is working in this exact way in the lives of people. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.